Thank you, choir, and thank you for the living Christ in the hearts of His people. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis and chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, we will read. Today's message comes from the series that we've been in, Engaging Culture in an Ever-Changing World and engaging it in a way that is true and faithful to the gospel that we find in God's Word. Today I have entitled the message that has went along with your Bible study and Sunday school classes, and I have entitled my message, The Picture Tells the Story. The Picture Tells the Story. And if you are physically able, I would ask if you would to stand with me in honor and Reverence of reading God's Word today from Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 18 and going through verse 24. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. Whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed it up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And all of God's children said again, Amen. You may be seated. You know, I've always enjoyed looking at pictures. We are people that like pictures, but even when I was younger, I remember being a, a child and even... A, a younger teenager, and I enjoyed looking through the big old fat family albums. How many of you remember the big family albums? I enjoyed looking at those old pictures. They told stories. Uh, it, it has been said that many times that a picture is worth a thousand words. I would agree with that statement. And today, with the attack upon the family in our culture that has been going on now for decades, today we have heard and will continue to hear God's story of marriage. And we see already the beautiful picture that it reveals to us. Heavenly Father, I come to you again asking for your mercy and grace upon my life as I speak to your people about what you ordained even before the foundations of the world. God, restore today and heal and bind up and bring to repentance. Lord, just purify us. 
that we may even more so follow you and be a light, a city set upon a hill for others to see. Do a mighty work of marvelous, amazing grace in our hearts today, Lord Jesus, even through a very simple messenger. In Jesus' name, amen. The day was June 26, 2015, when the U.S. Supreme Court voted to legalize same-sex marriages. Now, beloved, we may think that that was the worst questioning of marriage in our nation, and that could be argued and has been. But I, I suggest to you today that that was just another link in the chain of the degrading of what biblical love is, sex and marriage is, that's been happening for a long time in our nation. That was just another link in the chain. We often use the term traditional marriage in, in our society today. But however, let's be honest, many of our traditional marriages were not birthed out of good tradition. And, and we have too often been guilty of continuing the bad tradition that we saw of marriage. And so what we need, all of us, all of us, is to look and to continue to look at God's picture and God's story of what He ordained and called into existence. You see, the story that we read today reveals the biblical picture of marriage. We talk about traditional marriage, but what we need, beloved, is the picture of biblical marriage. The picture tells the story of God's design and His redemptive purpose for mankind, mankind that was created in the image of God. And beloved, if you miss the picture, you miss the story. And if you miss the story, you miss the point. If you miss the point, you miss the purpose. And you also miss the good pleasure that God in His wisdom has designed for His people. So we looked at the picture. And from the beginning of creation, we read God saying, and let. And in chapter 1 of, of Genesis, you continue to see that, and let there be light. And let the light be divided from the darkness. Let, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place. Let the earth sprout vegetation. Let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens. Let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. And then he said, let us, speaking of the fullness, the trinity of God, let us make man in our image. And what he's saying there in all of these let and let this happen. He's saying let it be like this. Let this, what I am commanding, take place. And he said that everything was good until we get to verse 18 of Genesis chapter 2. Everything was good, and man was good, but the single state of man was not good. In verse 18, the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. 
Man's single state was the only thing that God created that He declared this is not good. And so God also in that same verse declared that He would do something about it. And then we see verses 19 through 21 again, and we see out of the ground the Lord had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the heavens, and He brought them to man. That's important. That's why they're there. All the other creation was brought to man to see what He would call them. And He named them. The man gave names to all livestock and the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But here again it says, But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. Adam did all that he could do and it was not enough to bring him into a complete state as far as having a mate like him. So God provided a helpmate for Adam. Now I want us to notice something this morning, and I want to speak to, especially for a few moments, uh, the unmarried people, the young people. I want you to really tune in this morning. God said that this was not good for man to be alone, and then He brought all the living creatures to Adam. And still the Bible says He found none that related to Him, that corresponded to His being, being created in the image and likeness of God in mind and body and in soul or spirit. I want you to notice, young people, listen to me, your unmarried people today. Adam didn't say, well, I'll grab the closest thing to what I need. Adam didn't say, you know, there's really nothing that is like me or corresponds with me, but this monkey's pretty close, so I'll grab this monkey. And so I want to encourage all of you unmarried and especially young people, don't grab something just because it's close to you. But wait for God to bring you the helpmate that He has for you. That corresponds with you. Don't just grab anything close. And Adam did not. He did all that he could do. And still there was not one suitable that corresponded with him as he was created by God in the image of God. And so we see in verses 21 through 23, so God did something about this. He said it wasn't good. He brought everything before Adam so Adam could see this isn't good. There's none here that corresponds with me that is like me. And says in verse 21, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last, I'd seen everything else, all of God's beautiful creation, but at last, this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. God performed surgery on Adam and he took from his wounded side his very own mate. 
And so here we see bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. We see a unity in the creation of man and woman from man. And that's why, listen, there is wholeness, there is completeness, there is a unity when man and woman become one flesh as God created them. Let me tell you, beloved, that's God's picture. That's not my picture. It's not the picture of the Supreme Court. It's not the picture of society. That's God's picture. And as He said, let everything else be, we need to let that be. Because He has ordained it. Now a couple of notes I want to add in today. Again to uh, younger, maybe unmarried people. We, we read a verse like this, and I want to say that that doesn't mean everyone has to be married for your life to be complete and blessed. Let me say that again. Tune in. That doesn't mean, of what we've just read, that you have to be married to be blessed and joyful and fruitful. Jesus wasn't married. Would we say His life was unfruitful or lacked in joy. And even the Apostle Paul said that if you can stand it, this is Waco terms, Waco translation, if you can handle not being married, don't get married, and that way you can focus more on the Lord. But I think he means that society itself is made whole when man and woman come together as God created them for each other as the family. We know this. This has been a great attack in our nation for many, many decades now on the family, the biblical family. And as the family goes, beloved, so society goes. We're seeing that played out right before our eyes. As the family has crumbled, so society is crumbling around us. And many ails that come with it. I also want to say something else. Young people, tune in to me this morning. Whether you're married, engaged, or dating people, especially, though marriage, yes, it is a gift of God. It's ordained by God. You did not create yourself or the institution of marriage, but you were created by God. But I want to tell you, as wonderful as it is, you were created by God for God first. And so what I'm saying is is that another human being, though the joys of marriage can come along with it, the fruit of it, the rewards of it, you are not complete, found complete in another human being, but by God that created you in His image. And gentlemen, the more you love God, the better you love your wife. Same way, ladies. The more you love your God and you find your joy and your completeness in God, the better you'll live with your husband. God must come first and be placed in the center of your life and in the center of your relationship and marriage. And that is where you find true joy and security. Girls, it is, I saw a meme the other day and I hit like on it actually. And it said, girls, unless he has a diaper, you can't change him. Now, I know that wasn't found in the Bible, but I hit like because it's true. 
You will not find wholeness in another person. There can be great reward and great joy and, and added to that completeness of your mind, body, and soul, but truly you find only perfect joy, peace, and contentment in your relationship with God. And the more you put God at the center of your life and God at the center of your marriage, the greater your marriage and relationships will be. He has to come first. He formed you. He created us for Himself first and then for each other. Look at verse 24. And therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now this verse is important because first we have seen the picture of marriage between man and woman that was made from man. And then we see that God ordained. Now we see the relationship. First we saw the picture, and now we see how the relationship between man and woman is played out here in our time and space on earth. We see the relationship of how it's supposed to be in that couple that has come together. Now this is interesting. I'd never thought about this until reading more about this this week. And that was about in their culture. I've heard that verse many times, haven't you? You hear, we've heard it probably at 99% of weddings we've been to. I've said it at wedding after wedding. The, uh, that therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. But one thing I did not take into account that I learned this week was about their culture. In their culture, the man did not leave his home. The woman left hers. And she came to dwell in the home of not only the husband but of his father and their land. That was their culture. And here God inspires Moses to write these words. It's an amazing thing. And there's a greater meaning behind it. This was to be the matching of body, soul, and mind. That physically, mentally, and emotionally, and spiritually, the man bonds with his wife. I'm not talking about, and I don't think Moses is talking about, and I don't think God is talking about the physical leaving of the mother and father's home, which I think that's good too. But he's talking about something even deeper. That mentally, physically, and spiritually, the man forms to his wife, and she to him. I think this is another reason for failed or struggling marriages and that man are not leaving or bonding emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically with their wives. And women, likewise, are not coming to the side of their husband from whence they came. And women are not to walk in front of the man. I speak figuratively, allegorically, right? They're not to walk in front and they're not to walk behind, but side by side together. They become one flesh. The man bonds in every way with his wife and the wife comes to the side of her man. And so we see the qualifications for marriage. Now, young people, again, if you're fading out on me, or unmarried people, I want you to 
to really hone in for the next few moments. This was and is to be a matching of body, soul, and mind. And that calls God, that's how God created mankind in His image. And it's how He created man and then woman from man, bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh. So we see to unite with someone, we see some qualifications dealing with how we have been created and how marriage has been ordained by God. So listen to me. Young ladies, men, here's some qualifications from the picture that God has given us dealing with our relationships and marriage. These are qualifications for finding a mate because of how we've been created. First, there has to be, it has to deal with the body. There has to be a physical attraction. That's duh, right? There has to be a physical attraction. When I saw Paula, when I was 16, she was 15, I was attracted to her. Very much so. Still am. I remember, I don't see Brother Tommy and Marie here today, but I remember three or four years ago, Tommy and I were out making some visits, and he was telling me about the first time he saw Marie many years ago, and he said, I saw her right over at this square in the, in the corner up here at Round Boone Tavern, and he said, to my, he said I said to myself, I'm going to get some sugar from that woman. <laughs> and he did. There needs to be a physical attraction. But that's not enough. You see, the lust of the flesh and also the sexual revolution that some have argued has been the most powerful revolution in our nation, the sexual revolution, says that that's enough and that's not enough. Are you attracted to them? Well, many people are physically or sexually attracted to someone. And yes, I agree. I believe when Adam saw Eve, when, when God brought Eve to Adam, I believe there was a physical attraction. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not enough. Secondly, there needs to, to be a, or there is a qualification that deals with the mind. And when the, we speak of the mind, we speak of the soul of man or the emotions of man. And so what I want to say, the second qualification, one must be emotionally compatible, able to communicate in a healthy way and respect for that, that person. In, in other words, enjoy one another's company. Adam and Eve enjoyed each other. God formed Adam and then He formed Eve from Adam. There was a connection not only in their body, but also in their mind, their soul, and emotion for one another. They enjoyed one another. They communicated well. They were emotionally on the same wavelength, if you will. But even that's not enough. Society and secular culture have their beliefs in this as well. And some of it's good information, but it doesn't go far enough. The problem isn't that it does, it goes too far. The problem is that it doesn't go far enough. Society has many, uh, words of wisdom, so to speak, to give to young couples. Opposites attract. How many times have you heard that? The cliches we hear. 
But even that doesn't go far enough. Yes, you need to be physically attracted to them. And yes, you need to be able to connect with them on an emotional and mental uh, wavelength. But it doesn't go far enough if, if you're a child of God. See, thirdly, we also need to be connected. And another qualification is, do our spirits... The one thing that makes us different from the animals, well, not the one thing, but the greatest thing that makes us different from the animals and beasts of the field and the fish of the sea is that we have been created in the image of God, able to communicate with God. There is placed within us a spirit, a void that can only be properly filled in a relationship with God. And so in seeking for a mate, As a Christian, as a child of God, that you love God, you need to find someone that shares that with you. The qualifications for a biblical marriage is for a Christian is not only to be physically attracted, not only to be emotionally and mentally attracted, but also to be spiritually attracted. You have the same mutual love for God and the same mutual love for your Savior, Jesus Christ, it needs to match the mate that God has for us. I cannot tell you the times that, even as a pastor or growing up in a pastor's house, that I've seen this become a problem. Young people, you might not be too passionate about your Christian walk right now. Maybe you're here today because your parents bugged you to come here. That's okay. That's good. When I was your age, to be honest with you, when I was Trey's age, I wasn't very serious about my relationship with Christ either. But if you're a true child of God, God will draw you back to Him at one point. And at 21 years of age, the Holy Spirit fell heavy upon me and how I was living, now married with Paula. And there were things in my life that were not right. And we were at a revival, and Harold Pike was preaching that revival. And that night, I came forward and rededicated my life to Jesus Christ because I knew I wasn't living in a way that I would be a good husband in the years to come or a good father. And I rededicated my life to Christ, and things began to change in, in our relationship. But because I had married a Christian herself, Paula stayed by my side. Years later, I would answer the call of the ministry, fighting and kicking and screaming all the way. And you know what? Paula, that struggled with that call too. But because she was a Christian, and we not only had body attraction and mental attraction, but the Spirit came together. And even though it was hard on us, and that was a hard time on our marriage, she stayed by my side. And so what I'm saying to you today is, young people, you might not think that your walk with Christ is very important to you right now, and you may not care if you marry another Christian or not or date other Christians, but I'm going to tell you, be careful, because if you're the Lord's, He'll draw you back at one time, and if your spouse doesn't appreciate you walking with the Lord, it's going to cause you grief every day of your life almost. These are the qualifications for a Christian. The Bible talks about being unequally yoked. Most of us don't know what that means because uh, we don't know how to hook up a team of horses or oxen and plow a field, right? I don't. Do you, Daryl? I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Uh, 
But the Bible speaks of being unequally yoked. Two different beasts of burden yoked. And you can't hook a lamb beside an ox and expect to plow a field successfully, right? And so the Bible tells us, Paul wrote it in the church to Corinth, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers, spiritual people that are not spiritually equal to you. These are qualifications. This is the picture that God has given us. This is the institution of marriage as God has placed it. Oh, how much greater our society would be if we just looked at the picture. Right? And just agreed with God. And and didn't grab the first thing that was close to us. Because we're scared to death of being alone because God's not enough for us. And I believe today, and I might be wrong, this doesn't go with a great deal of thought. Maybe I shouldn't say it, but I'm going to say it and help me clean up the mess if it comes out wrong. But one of the reasons a lot of marriages have failed is because people grabbed what wasn't equal to them and it failed because they really never should have been married in the first place. Would you agree with that? Is that a fair statement? And then and then the baggage just comes on people. And you're going through life with baggage from one relationship to the next. So wait for the person that God has for you. Let God be first and foremost in your life. Not only be attracted physically, but also emotionally and mentally, but most important, spiritually. Because even if it doesn't matter to you right now, I promise you, if you're a Christian, it will matter at some point in your life. Women, raise your hands today. All women, raise your hands. All women, raise your hands high. Look around. Every church, there's more women than men. Did you know that? Every church. That's a, that's a well-known statistic. Every church, women come to church and are active in church more than men. Shouldn't be that way, but it is. There's a reason for that in some cases. Not all. Some cases. It's what we've discussed today. Men, can I say to you today, wherever you're at, Physically, mentally, spiritually, leave your father and mother's house and cleave or bond with your wife and women. Can I say this? Come to your husband's side and walk beside him. And I hate to say this, it's been used so many times, but as Loretta Lynn, our little Kentucky girl said, stand by your man. But there's a greater picture here. How am I doing on time? It's 12 o'clock. Give me five more minutes, will you? I'm hungry too, but give me five more minutes. Because there's a greater picture to consider here. It's a picture of Christ and His bride. It's why we have the picture of marriage. It's why God ordained it. This is a picture of marriage between Christ and His church, His bride. And what I'm saying to you today is, Adam is a picture or a foreshadowing or a type of Jesus Christ. I want to show you this today. There's several verses we could point to. I've only chosen uh, one section, and that's from Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30. It'll be on the screen. And here Paul writes in Ephesians 5, 30, 
because we are members of His body. Now just think about what happened with Eve coming out of the side of Adam. And they were members together of the same body. You remember what, what Adam said, this is bone of my bone and this is flesh of my flesh. And here Paul says, we are members of His body. We are together. We are one. Therefore, and then he repeats what, what God had Moses write. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, leave and cleave, and the two shall become one flesh in aims and sentiments and purpose in life. And then he goes on to say, this mystery is profound. So here he's talking about the church. Then he's, then he's bringing in the illustration of the marriage. And then he goes right back and says, this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. Our marriages are a picture or a type of the relationship between Christ and His church. Just listen to verse 33. However, let each one of you men love your wife as himself. And we are commanded to love our wives as Christ loved the church because that's the picture that God has shown. And then he says, let the wife see that she respects her husband coming up beside him from when she came and walking together and the two becoming one. This is a picture of Jesus Christ and the church. That's why the picture of marriage is so important. Because God gave it as a picture between Him redeeming His people and His people that have been redeemed. You see, Jesus left His Father's house. You hearing me today? He left the portals of glory in heaven and put on flesh and endured temptation and suffering and grief beyond all man. Adam is a picture of Christ that left his father's house to gain his bride, the church. And he did so at the price of his own blood. It now pictured Adam being put in a deep sleep and his side being opened up and blood pouring out and a rib removed. And you then see Jesus Christ at the cross of Calvary. He left the throne of glory. He put on flesh as we are. His wounds and His body were open and blood poured out of them. And he, out of that, His church was formed and made. Do you remember the picture when Jesus had just given up the ghost and He's dead now? He had went to sleep like God put Adam to sleep. Now the Savior that came for His bride is now asleep. He's dead and... What did the guard do? He took his spear and punctured the side of Christ. And there came out water and blood. Beloved, that's where you and I were made who believe in Jesus Christ. Out of the side and the wounds of the Savior. You see, we were made physically from Adam and Eve, but we are made or born again through the blood of Jesus Christ. There He made us one. Flesh of His flesh. Bone of His bone. He left the Father's house to gain His bride. God put Him to sleep 
and opened up His side. And there we were made through the shedding of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. And through the Holy Spirit, His bride, the church, you and I who have received salvation by grace and through faith, we're being prepared. And the bride is kind of ugly right now at times. But God's making her beautiful. He's making you beautiful. And one day, picture when, picture Adam's face after the surgery. He's awake. And we don't know how long a space here, but, but God took that rib away. And He made Eve from the rib, it says. And then He brought Eve to Adam. You imagine Adam's face? I don't believe they spoke that uh, Spanish, but he might have said mamacita. <laughs> and Christ is preparing His bride. The Holy Spirit's preparing His bride, the church, and one day, God's going to say to Jesus Christ, Son, go get your bride. And we'll be presented Jesus Christ, our great husband, bone of our bone, flesh of our flesh, who left the Father's house and became like us so that we could become like Him. You see why marriage God's way matters so much? Because it's a picture. It's the story of God's salvation, His redeeming plan for His people. As I said before, we're made physically through Adam and Eve, but we're born again or made new spiritually through Jesus Christ. And He's coming again for His bride. And here's what I have to ask you today. Are you spiritually ready to be presented to Christ? Are you spiritually ready to be presented to Christ? If not, can I tell you there is a fountain filled with blood? drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. The fountain is still open and flowing and cleansing people of their sins. No matter what sin you and I have committed today, no matter if we have failed at this marriage thing in God's picture or not, you know there is forgiveness and healing through Jesus Christ for each and every one of us today. And I still fail at what we've read today. There are days I, I fail as a husband, as a father, as a child of God, as the bride of Christ. And I call out to Him, Lord, forgive me. Help me repent more deeply and turn to You in a greater way. Have you been made new? Have you been born again? by faith in Jesus Christ. If not, the fountain is there. And I'm just going to ask you today to come to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, prepare me to meet my husband Jesus one day. Will you cleanse me? Will you make me whole? Will you forgive me and remove the guilt of my life? And He is faithful and just to do that because that's why He came. That's why He came. That's why He came. That's why He left His Father's house to become one 
with you and you to walk by his side. Is your marriage struggling? There's hope today, beloved. Have you failed in marriages before? There's hope and forgiveness today. The fountain is still flowing. And the husband still says, just walk beside me. Would you come today and lose all your guilty stains and walk with Jesus Christ?